Welcome to Clockworks. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is the podcast where we analyze the TV show Legion, but we don't do it mechanically because, like, mechanically, <laughs> even though it's mechanical, no. <laughs> Clockworks is a mechanical. No, that's your worst one. <laughs> but, okay. So we're going to be talking today about Legion episode 5. We're giving it the title, What's on the Other Side? This episode was directed by Tim Melentz and written by Peter Calloway. Tim Melentz has a pretty long list of IMDb credits. He's directed several TV shows, and at least three of them are Dutch-language TV out of Belgium. Uh, it seems like as far as English-language productions go, his major credit is... A bunch of episodes of the BBC series Peaky Blinders, which oh, yeah, heard I've heard of, yeah. I haven't seen, but it's got good reviews and mm-hmm. people like it. Yeah. Um, this is the second episode for Peter Calloway as a writer. He also wrote episode three, Shall We Begin? Jan, do you want to take away the beat by beat? All right. So we open on full trees with the sound of crickets and rain. We see Carrie male Carrie, standing, waiting for for female Carrie to return. The team arrive, and as Carrie works on Carrie, Melanie talks telepathically to David and tells her that he met Oliver. David sits on the dock again, and we hear Lenny's voice say, I'm you, I'm me, I'm everything you want to be, over the title card, Legion. Sid joins David on the dock and attempts to talk to David about his past. David is calm and shows Sid a white room, the quiet room, a place they can be together and touch. They kiss and embrace, but there are bugs crawling all over the strawberries. We cut to Carrie in the lab, and Melanie asks if they could merge, but Carrie, male Carrie, calls it a delicate ecosystem. Melanie thinks that David can bring Oliver back. Later, David and Sid sit as close as they can on the couch in Melanie's office, and a very confident David says he's going to get Amy in the morning. Melanie balks, but Sid says she's going to. David tells Melanie about Oliver in the ice cube, and Melanie says that Oliver's power was just like David's. In the lab, Carrie awakens in pain, and male Carrie is able to merge with her, and he lies down and takes on all of her bruises. Sid and David talk in the elevator. Sid asks about Division Three but is easily distracted by going back to the quiet room. The elevator door is open to a vision of them in blue light, just finishing having sex. David asks if this was her first time, and Sid tells David a harrowing story of changing bodies with her mother so she could sleep with her mother's boyfriend. She asks David to get lost together with him. Red light begins to shine from the window and then under the door of the bathroom. In the red-lighted bathroom, Lenny sits in a tub and throws a ball against the wall. She tells David how great it is when they work together, and he makes her promise that they'll come back there when they have Amy. Sid wakes in the bed and goes to the bathroom that is now empty, and then wakes in the real world. So, So, I mean, first thing, this episode begins with rain Mm -hmm. on a forest. Rain on a forest and crickets, and there's a few things about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rain, I think, is a pathetic fallacy. Carrie is worried, and the rain is crying with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's the trees and greenery motif, specifically trees, right? Mm -hmm. And this time it's outside, outside. But this is, a lot of the show focuses on green. And we've talked in previous episodes about all the red in the show, and we've mentioned the circles. I think we've been under 
playing how much plant motif, mm -hmm. tree motif continues through the show. Yeah. This is the lushest we've ever seen these trees too. This is almost like they almost look like a rainforest. They do. It's it's even more summery or like kind of deep summer than mm -hmm. it has ever been before with these trees and these crickets and it sounds like a lot more uh like a rainforest than it, it ever has. It certainly does. And we've talked about uh the trees and the tendency on the show to have trees and plants inside. But uh, mm. even when they're outside, there's an aspect of the trees that I don't think we have said out loud on the podcast before, but mm. we've said to each other outside the podcast, which is that the trees represent growth. Mm -hmm. So this is more growth. A big thing for the show that growth happens. Trees always are associated with times of growth or places of growth. And we have this painful moment for Carrie mm -hmm. and Carrie. And it's also as we see a visual metaphor for growth. Yeah. Did you notice in that opening scene uh, the MRI machine? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I'm... It's still sitting out in the lawn. Oh, man, it's getting all covered in vines and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a nice. That was yeah, nice callback to that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess they ha they they didn't fix it. Obviously. No. Maybe no one there knows how to fix. Well, like, machine. I, mean, I don't know. I guess how do you get it back in when it was teleported out? I don't know. I mean, you ask David very politely, but he's got other stuff on his mind. At he the does. Moment. I mean, the main thing, like, David is creepily confident. And from the very start, we hear Lenny's voice. I'm you. I'm me. I'm everything you want to be. And, and it seems like Lenny and David have merged completely. Yeah. From the end of the last episode. David's spending this episode being everything he wants to be. He He's does. confident and powerful and he can control mm -hmm. things and he can be with Sid in every way he wants to be. Yeah. Um, I think speaking of his creepy confidence right from the beginning of this episode, I think of the I think of him talking to Melanie in the room about meeting Oliver. Yeah. And his delivery on that is so like Smug. Smug is the word. Yeah, he's like, it's just like, I met your husband. Yeah. You can't meet him, haha. You know, like almost like that. Yeah, absolutely. And he, is he saying that he met her husband deliberately to upset her? Um, whether it's deliberate or, deliberate or not, though, it does upset her. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. It yeah. is not, and it's a lot to do with the performances those exact lines could be given and the scene could be about him trying to comfort and reassure her that her husband is okay, but that is not what is happening. No, definitely not. Scene. That's not how he plays it at all. And yeah. She, not how she responds either. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about this in previous episodes, but it comes up again here. Is Melanie psychic? She... Yeah, she says David to him in his mind. Yeah. But now that we know that Oliver has the same powers, or at least has psychic powers like David. She's used to someone mm. who can read her mind. She knows what it's like to just, like, to think things loudly. Mm. So maybe she's not... So I don't know if she is. She just thinks things loudly, and then he projects his thoughts and terms. Right. Yeah, I can buy that. We also have, in this section, uh, I really noticed when David's sitting on the dock and Sid comes and sits down next to him, she starts to tell him about what... She learned in the last episode. Yeah, he just she, dismisses it. He doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. He doesn't want her to think about it. He distracts her. He distracts her really well. Although, like, oh, he's so... When, when they first go into, like, the white room, the quiet room, 
she's just like not she's just freaked out and standing there she's not responding to him at all and he's and so it makes him come off so creepy so predatory as he like creeps around her and like i can kiss you i can like like look at me i'm the magic man but then <laughs> at the moment he actually touches her something changes her it all turns around she responds to him because she does want to be touched by him she's just freaked out about the the idea of it yeah i was gonna say that it's the creepiest possible delivery of the line, I found a way for us to be together. The way that he's yeah. like, I found a way for us to be together. <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly yeah. how Norman Bates would say that line. Yeah, like, it is. We'll be together forever. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's exactly and it. He, I mean, I want to talk about them, them in the white room, but I want to back up a little bit even right before he goes into the white room with her. He says, she starts to tell him about his past, but he says, I know what I am. Mm, And first of all, again, what I am. Yes. And since when? And since when does he know what he is? (laughs) Well, he said that in Happy Jack. Remember? did he? In the circle therapy, uh, when Kissinger is trying to talk to him about him being uh, schizophrenic. He just says circle therapy and it blew my mind. Because of all the circles in the show. They sit in, I mean, I do not think that is a coincidence. They sit in circles to have therapy. Okay, sorry. Uh, I just got distracted. (laughs) In the circle therapy, Kissinger is telling him, like, you're schizophrenic. What do you think about that? And David (laughs) says, I know who I, I know what I am. Mm, Uh, And in that instance, it's his way of saying, I mean, it's kind of him uh, indicating to Kissinger that he's willing to work on his issues, but it's also the opposite. It's resi- it's uh, like, I've given up, I am what I am, and I'm not going to do anything about it mm-hmm. in a very uh, resigned kind of way. And here it is completely different, but it's the same line. Yes. I know what I am. And it was Sid and David that had the big interaction about I know what I am. Know in what that am. moment, she says, do you? know what you are no you don't like she has the confidence there mm-hmm. and breaks his perception of what he thinks he is here the opposite yeah um in the white room yes when they first appear there david keeps just something about the way this is shot david keeps coming in on the left side of the frame like he'll the mm-hmm. camera is slowly panning it's staying on sid and it slowly pans where david leaves the frame on the right and then he appears again on the left. Oh, interesting. And that's that partly, sense. I think, uh, emphasizing that he's not literally there. It's n- This isn't literally possible. This isn't a physical space. But also, what you were saying, I mean, what we noticed in... The, episode, the arrow in, pointing left? Yeah, which episode yeah, was that? Whatever episode that was. Uh, with the arrow pointing to his left shoulder and why left. I mean, if you know a little bit of Latin, left in Latin is sinister. Hmm. So he keeps coming in on the left because he is sinister. Sinister side. That is Um, interesting. And now I think we should get more to Sid in the white room. Yes. She does not look happy or comfortable to be there. No, not at all. And he is so confident and uh, up in her space. Yes. He is in her personal space. Mm Remember in Road to Nowhere when they were on the swings and he's so completely responsive? She's like, I don't like to be touched. And he just... Yeah, he moves away. And this, he does not at all. No. Because he, he, he I think, to put a ha- the happiest possible spin on it, he thinks, well, if I'm not literally 
touching, physically touching you, then then things are okay. Then I can be in your face. Then I can, you know, I can disrespect your boundaries. But like because we're not actually literally touching. He's so spends this scene ignoring her obvious lack of comfort. Yes, absolutely. Right? And it's such a contrast to the way that he just intuitively responds to her lack of comfort in on swings in Road yeah. to Nowhere. Well, I mean, and how a person should. Like, is what makes him creepy is he doesn't care that he's making her uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the bugs. Yeah. On the strawberries is she says that it feels like bugs are crawling on her skin when, she, when people touch her. And in the room, there's this lovely bowl of strawberries and then you zoom in and there's bugs crawling all over them. Yeah. And it's super gross. And like, and that's the representation of there's something wrong here. Yeah. And part of it is this is Sid's uncomfortableness is these bugs. And this is the wrongness of this room is yeah. it's not this perfect utopia. There's, these strawberries are gross. <laughs> well, and what I what came to my mind is another Hamlet reference, which is there's something rotten in the state of david's head yes yes exactly something rotten in there yeah i think the way that he uh is all up in her space and the way that she ends up responding also reminds me of her like we can hold hands i want to that yeah it's um i don't think it's quite the same thing but i think it's really manipulative whether it's deliberately on david or lenny or the yellow the demon with yellow eyes or whoever is driving as part it's really manipulative because she is so starved for touch and physical mm-hmm. affection that she ignores her misgivings. Yes, right? that is true. And that is not that she is happy to be there. It is that she ignores her unhappiness because she really wants to be able to touch and be touched. So when they're no longer in the white room, but they're in Melanie's office and they're on the couch, they've got the pillow between them. His arm is around her, like, on the couch almost around her. They're not actually touching. But they're really close, and this is the closest we've ever seen them. Yeah. Even closer than when they were lying in bed together in clockworks. And so, like, is she ignoring her skin feeling? Is she trying not to feel it? Is she wanting, like, what is going on with that? That's like, Yeah, and my read of, the, my read of that is that... Uh, no matter what happened in the white room, her pathology still exists. Her power mm-hmm. still exists. So yeah. if it's uncomfortable to be close to someone. It's still uncomfortable to be close to someone. And yeah, yeah right. I do think she's ignoring she's it. Adoring it. And it's like the like the strawberry, like the bugs on the strawberries, like the bugs on the skin. It's she's ignoring the things about how David is acting that are upsetting and are upsetting and not okay, mm-hmm. and should be warning signs to her because she is so desperate for what he's offering her mm-hmm. yeah absolutely speaking of people being desperate for what david can offer them carrie and melanie melanie comes in when carrie when female carrie is still in a coma and she asks male carrie about her mm-hmm. she tries to show or she tries to have concern for carrie but all she really cares about is oliver yes absolutely she is Exactly like Mel, exactly like Sid, Melanie is so desperate for what David is offering her that she is ignoring the things that are of concern yes, right in front of her. Absolutely, absolutely. So she tries to care about Carrie for Carrie's sake, yeah. but then she goes to like, I think he can get Oliver. Like she's so excited about this prospect. Yeah, and exactly. It's, you know, Carrie is not. Well, 
And I think it's interesting, this cut between the red strawberries and Carrie's red wound is like yeah. really drawing the attention to to that to that connection right there. And then all Carrie, male, all, all male Carrie, it's so difficult to talk about this sometimes, all male Carrie cares about is helping her and he's focused completely on her. And so when Melanie comes in and tries to talk to him, he doesn't even respond. No. She says, I think he can get all of her back. And look, Carrie, we don't, I mean, it cuts away, but we literally do not see him respond at all. Yeah. Because where his focus is, is on Carrie. I mean, we could call them uh, Bill and Amber. Those the actors' no. names. No. 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 Um, <clears throat> what do you make of him calling it a delicate ecosystem? I thought that was a really interesting choice of words for Carrie to call their their sharing of a body is a delicate ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I feel like that really reflects all of the plant things that we were just talking about is this yeah. mix between the, the inside and the outside and that he can't just go into a coma with her no. and take her out of it. He needs to wake her up first. He needs to, and later on when we see them merge and he takes on all of her bruises and he reassures her as he does oh. it. It's just heartbreaking. Oh, all so many of Carrie's scenes are just heartbreaking. Talking about Carrie, I mean, we're looking forward slightly, but talking about him taking on her bruises, that is such a surprisingly moving and affecting moment. Yes. That, you know, there are two people who share a body, but uh, he really literally takes on her pain for her. Exactly. And... I got you. And then all the bruises appear on his face. Yes. It is so moving. Oh, um, and I would also say, talking about the ecosystem and talking about Carrie and Carrie, this has been something all throughout the show, but we're seeing it more clearly here than ever, that what we have in Carrie and Carrie is two people sharing a body. What we have in, I mean, we'll hear about this by the end of the episode. We haven't got there yet. But we have in David is two people sharing a body. Yes. And we have an example of how that can be good, how that can be when the two people care for each other and are carrying each other's wounds to spare each other. Yes, exactly. And how it works when they aren't, Mm -hmm. right? I think also what I really noticed about this moment with them in the lab is in the last episode, Carrie, male Carrie says, what happens to her when I die? But I don't think it occurred to him what happens to me if she dies yeah. and here he is taking care of her and like he doesn't know what's going to happen if she dies on him he doesn't even like on you know yeah thinking about his own life good point when melanie and sid and david are all in the talk room room yeah. um david and sid on the couch a few things what does david whisper to sid yeah melanie asks him you know says we can't go and attack because they'll be ready for you. David whispers something to Sid and says, I think I'll be fine. I think she'll be fine. No, Isn't I think he says, I think I'll, I'll be, be fine. fine. Like, they'll, you can't go in. They have guards. They have all this stuff. And he, hush, hush, yeah. I think I'll be fine. Yeah. What does he whisper to Sid? I, I listened to that about 12 times. Like <laughs> I'm volume, trying to make it out and I could never make it no. out. I don't think you're supposed to. No, I'm sure not. Um, it's obviously something very short, like, you know, it's, I don't think it's 
I don't think we're supposed to care what he says. It's the fact that they have a private language. That they have a private, that suddenly they are so close to each other in a way they haven't been before that he's able to just like offhandedly whisper to her and be all, oh, it's like they used to be so sweet and innocent and now they're, he's creepy and predatory and he's not sweet and innocent anymore. And they're kind of the nauseating kind of closeness. Exactly. Cloying and smug closeness rather than sweet and innocent closeness. Exactly. And speaking of them speaking secretly to each other, a little later in this scene, Melanie will try to project into David's mind and then he answers her out loud. Several times in the scene, yeah. She tries, she says things she says, into did, his mind. Did he, did he ask about me? She's trying to maintain privacy about her emotional state and how needy she is, and he just does not care to maintain She's, that. Well, I mean, this whole scene with Melanie, like, I want to talk about the scene with Melanie, because okay. it's so interesting. She talks about Oliver. She asks things in David's mind. All of her vulnerabilities yes. are when she talks to David. Yeah. Every time she she talks out loud, she talks about, you know, oh, he's been in this cube for 21 years. but then. In her mind, she goes, can you take him to me? In her mind, she asks the questions that she doesn't want to ask out loud. Yeah. And the moment that she faces away from him, when Melanie gets up, she goes to the window, they have this conversation, he joins her there. They had this conversation and she faces away from him. And it seems like maybe she's crying. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's clearly like she doesn't want him to see her vulnerability, but she's still asks him the questions yeah she still says it in her mind and oh and she just wants him to bring and and david is so cavalier and casually cruel and the way that he's like he remembers very little like he doesn't sugarcoat it at all and again yeah i mean firstly the way that she asks him things in her mind that he answers out loud is again in a different sort of way, but it's again what he was doing in, with Sid in the White Room, which is refusing to acknowledge or respect people's boundaries. Yes. Like, she's clearly showing him a level of privacy that she wants, and he just ignores it, right? Exactly. It's like if you private message someone on Facebook and they answered you on their wall. It is exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. Okay, but then, okay, the other thing she talks about, that Melanie talks about, is Oliver and what his powers were, what exactly happened to him. Mm-hmm. So he is a telepath, does not seem like he's telekinetic like David. No. He's a powerful telepath who just kept going into the astral plane and discovered that he could make it of his, make, be king of his own land, basically, and then just never came back after a while. Yeah. And so obviously that link is between Melanie, what Oliver did, and what David is doing in this episode are the same thing. They're being yeah. king of their castle, they're being the... But what kind of world did he make? Like, Oliver didn't make a happy world. He's in this weird ice cube with, like, a hi-fi and a chair. Like, he's not in a happy place. I wonder if that's, like, that's he's now trapped. He's not now there because he loves it so much and doesn't feel like leaving. He stayed there longer and longer. But the way that he talks while he's in there, while David is in there talking to him, it feels like he is... Something happened that we still don't know. Okay. That presumably Melanie doesn't know why. But one day he never came back, and that's not because he liked it so much. And he lost his power to manipulate the world completely. Like, he obviously manipulates something to make his little cube, but... But his cube is so small and sparse compared to, you know... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. 
I'd also, I mean, you said a second ago about how cavalier David is, and I'll say that uh, not only is he, you know, cruel and mocking and his like, he lives in an ice cube is so like yeah. mocking, but also once again, exactly like he did with Sid, what he's doing is distracting Melanie. Yes. She started talking about how attacking Division 3 is not a good idea. Here's why. And he says, aren't you going to ask about your husband? Yeah. And like very, very effectively, here is the thing that you really, really, really want that I can offer you. Let's talk about that Let's instead of instead. what you want yes. to, to talk to me about. And when he says, I mean, back again to the cruelty, when she asks, did he ask about me? He says, he doesn't really remember anything. He says, but there was a moment. It's so, yeah. again, cat, like he's toying with her. He is, he's, yeah. And much like the scene earlier, with that dialogue with a different performance could be reassuring, could be he's trying to make her feel better, but that is not how he plays it at all. Yeah. Right? It's interesting, like, the toying sounds like Lenny sounds like it does yeah like this sounds like the voice we've heard out of her all along and so it does feel like they're really they've come together it definitely does so Sid's story of her teenage first time having sex is also is like I called it harrowing and I that's the only word I can think of to describe it it is really disturbing and 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 those speaks to like she's not as innocent as we thought she was I guess or like I don't, I don't know. know. I my uh, I find I think also it's a horrifying story, and it's I don't know if it's meant to be about she's not innocent so much as that her she is. We said in an earlier episode that we wanted this show to get to a little bit her own complexity. Yes, and here we are getting to it. Yes, right? this definitely she shows is that damaged and uh, and troubled and yeah. has her own mental and emotional issues that arise i mean it's we're framing it here as they arise from her powers and i feel like well she even says that she says like how do you experience things when you're a unique thing yeah how do we be normal when no one can teach us how exactly that you know if you're curious about illicit things and you have the ability to do them secretly and no one knows like that's an enormous temptation for a 16 year old and then it backfires because, of course, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's all I like at the same time as it's horrifying on so many levels. It's also very believable. Like there are temptations that are presented right in front of her yes. that she can easily and from her perspective without consequence mm-hmm. access. We jumped a little bit to get to them having sex in the room. We jumped past the, we jumped past a scene of him. Right before they go into the room, she asks, are we really going to attack Division 3? And he's so, again, confident, cocky to the degree, degree of callousness about attacking Division 3. And the way that he talks about it is like, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that, I guess. Save the girl, get a snack. Like, the girl. Yeah. Like, he's talking about his sister, but what, where he's phrasing this is not, I want to rescue my sister because she's in danger and pain. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll kill a bunch of people. Yes, exactly. We'll save her, we'll get a snack. Those are incidental. The point is the fun of getting to hurt people. And we remember yes. that not too long ago, Melanie said the deal with Walter is that he wanted to hurt people. Mm. And here, yeah. David wants to hurt people. David wants to hurt people. Um, yeah. And then when they get to the white room... The blue room, now. 
That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. It's all in blue light. Yeah. And that, I mean, I, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, I'm going to talk about this the whole episode, but that room keeps changing color. Yes. And the blue light for them having sex is the absence of red. The, yeah. It's kind of a happiness, but it's really um, unnatural light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not what you would expect, and it's very, yeah. I feel like the blue is associated in previous episodes with him on drugs, which oh, is yes, what he does too. to cope with what yeah. he thinks is schizophrenia, but we now have good reason to believe what is the, the devil with yellow eyes. So the blue is his way of sedating himself to ignore the devil with yellow eyes. And if we think of the yeah. way that David has been distracting everyone throughout this episode, the blue room is not just a distraction for Sid. It is also a distraction for David, so yes. that David doesn't fight against Lenny in his head, mm-hmm. right? So the blue room, the devil with the yellow eyes, the redness isn't there. Yes. But David is there in a little room, safe, not interfering with what the devil with yellow eyes wants to be doing. Yes. He's, that's kind of my thought. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then when the red light begins to shine in the window it kind of turns the room a bit more purple. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the straight up into the red bathroom with yeah. nothing but red light. Yes. And Lenny is sitting in the tub, throwing a ball against the wall, just like the ball that King played with. Remember, remember that? Let King who doesn't exist and Lenny who doesn't exist, and they both have a red ball that they like to play with. Yep. Um, and then Sid wakes up and she's in the wet, white room and David isn't there. For a second. Just for a second, but even for a second, how would it work for him to leave her in that room without him? I don't think she does. I think she wakes up while they're still having a conversation. She gets up, she goes to the bathroom, and then the room disappears. And so I think right. he's thinking it until he's too far away to think it. Right. Is what I feel like So the, when, the second, the instant the room disappears is the instant that he has teleported himself to Division 3. Exactly. Okay. That's my thought. In the bathroom, in the tub that Lenny's sitting in, behind it, there's foliage on the wall. Right. Just like in all of these things, the inside, outside, the there's plants on the walls of all these different places that they're in. And this is another example of it. Even in David's mental space. Even in David, exactly. Even in David's mental space, it's there. Mm. And this, I mean, this red bathroom is just another, yeah, it's, it's like a space off of the quiet room. And so that's just where... Lenny gets to live. And if well, you think David is there? Actually, if you think about that, this quiet room is a room that he created to have sex with Sid, or a room that he created to, you know, be quiet and romantic. It doesn't need a bathroom. Yep. <laughs> right? It sure doesn't. Like, I didn't quite put that together, but a bathroom is, of all things, the least necessary in your uh, astral plane. Fantasy <laughs> room. When she gets up, when Sid wakes up, she goes to the red bathroom, all naked. So many butts in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all naked. Uh, she all, is suddenly in the real world, and she's in like the clockwork, the the Summerland bathroom. Yeah, and fully clothed. Yeah. Uh, so, like, she. What's what are they doing in the real world? Maybe I don't want to think about that too much. Well, in the last time we saw them in the real world, they were still in the elevator. Yeah. But then and now she's in the Summerland bathroom. And we know David can teleport people. Did he teleport them right. both? Were they in the elevator all this time? And then he teleported her to the bathroom at the same time as he teleported himself? 
I assume that other people need to use that elevator, so probably they would go somewhere else. Yeah. Anyway. I was actually like, that was what I was imagining was the people walk, like trying to use the elevator. And, and they're like, like lying on the ground. They're just like lying on the ground, not touching each other, but like, <laughs> I don't know. That just Panting and moaning, but not touching each other. You no, that would not be a scene you'd want to go no. <laughs> So, Patonomy, Melanie, and the telekinetic guy, who's apparently his name is Rudy. I only know this from looking it up on IMDb. At some point, they must call him Rudy. They do. They do? Okay. Yep. I never actually heard it, but then, of course, they must have. Okay. So, Patonomy, Melanie, and Rudy are talking about how to strike Division Three. Sid walks in and tells them that David is gone. Melanie says to wake everyone. And Patonomy is annoyed that they're going to Division 3 with no plan. He talks to Sid about, about the war, how it's bigger than David and his sister. Melanie claims that she wants David back in case they turn him, but Patonomy thinks it's just to get Oliver back. Melanie questions Sid on how David's acting, that something has changed. Sid says she's not treating him. He's her man, and she doesn't care how he fits in at Summerland. Melanie is worried because he's changed since he got back. Obviously. The Summerland team, Patonomy, Sid, Rudy, and Melanie, drive to Division 3 and find it ablaze and bodies everywhere, cut in half or maybe embedded in the concrete. Either way, it's horrific. Rudy gets them inside easily, and they make their way downstairs, passing dozens of dead commandos. The hallway flashes, changing what side the door is on and what side the window is on. Patonomy and Sid go in one direction, Rudy and Melanie go in another. Autonomy and Sid find Kissinger still in his cell, whistling, twiddling his thumbs, acting weirdly happy. Red light flashes, and he tells them which way to go, and he wants to be let out, but they leave him in his cell. Meanwhile, Melanie and Rudy find a surveillance room. It shows David gleefully killing everyone, waving to the camera and snapping his fingers. One of the cameras shows the devil with the yellow eyes in negative destroying commandos in the same way and then ominously staring at the camera. Back at Summerland, Carrie watches the tape of David in the MRI machine and talks aloud to Carrie inside of him, complaining about their injuries. He hears the sound of child's laughter running above him, and then on the screen, David changes to the devil with yellow eyes and then to his child self. At Division 3, we find the white-haired man, whose name is Brubaker, dying, saying, we had it wrong, we thought we were ready, and so much power, it wears a human face. They leave, and Carrie sends a message to Melanie. Carrie says that David has a parasite, another consciousness inside of him, feeding on him since birth, rewriting his memory. He thinks it's an older mutant who separated his power from his body and has lived in David for about 30 years. So a lot to, a lot to say in that part. Yeah, I mean... Autonomy has just about had it up to gear with David. Oh man, does he ever. <laughs> he is so annoyed and like acting, he's acting differently than he has before, but really paying attention to it, it's really makes sense in his arc. He's yeah. like, he says to Sid, like, you don't think I have a sister or a girlfriend or whatever? The war is more important than that. And I like the way that he even, the way that he phrases it. The war is so more important than some guy named David and his sister. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I continue oh. to Jeremy Harris as autonomy. Like, he is he's fantastic. So good. And like, yeah, you think back to him trying to befriend David back at the beginning. And he's 
so much. She is not interested in befriending David anymore. He sure isn't. And speaking of great performances, Jean Smart, uh, Melanie, boy, howdy, her response when when Photonomy says, why? Because you think he's going to bring Oliver back? And she just, like, moves from so wounded by that to so, like, crushingly dismissive of, no. Mm-hmm. That's not why. Yeah. We, we get the moment of, yes, that is why. That is why. And then she covers it really well. I think that that moment is like fantastic performance. And yes. also so much of Melanie, what we've said already about Melanie doesn't want to show uh, her emotions, her, her vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah. And so she puts on this, no, I have strategic reasons they're going to turn him and it's all very convincing and she says it witheringly as if obviously Mm -hmm. but we still see how cut she is by his accusation that means that you know it obviously hits home yeah um melanie is worried that david doesn't seem fragile anymore yes yeah and sid sid's mad about that and sid isn't worried but kind of it hasn't occurred to her. I feel like the way that Rachel Keller plays it is she becomes worried after Melanie says that. Yeah, I think she so. She wasn't until then. Yeah, the the progression of Sid over this episode just kept going from yay, my boyfriend's back to oh, my boyfriend's back. Oh, maybe he's not yeah. my boyfriend. Wait, I'm gonna um the line about uh, he's my man. Ugh, yeah. I don't know if that's just a line of dialogue I don't like, or if it's... Oh, I just think it's like, it highlights how childish she's being. That's like, that's something like a teenage girl would say. He's my fella, and you don't talk smack about him. Like, or, yeah. I don't know, like, he's my man. Yeah, I agree. It's, oh. it's Yeah, and then, I think it is, I don't think it is bad dialogue, but I think it is a bad, like a thoughtless and shallow thing for her to say and yes. she's been acting thoughtless and shallow yes and i think it's very much you know what i said about david manipulating and distracting her from mm-hmm. thinking too carefully about what's happening until melanie puts in her head that david's lack of fragility is a problem not a... here's the thing about sid what's that i want to know sid? is she just distracted or is she kind of infected Mm-hmm. Has she been in fact? Because all last episode she kept seeing the angriest boy in the real world, and now she's act now like David is all acting cavalier, and so is she. Yeah, and is she just like going along with what David's saying, or is she somehow, by virtue of changing bodies with David that time, somehow the devil with yellow eyes has infected her too? She's got some like spore of this parasite that's growing in her. She does seem out of character in this episode. Yes. I will absolutely And everyone agree. is everyone in this episode is maybe slightly out of character and I mean David most of all, but obviously David for a reason is out of character. And I don't know whether it's David infecting everyone and making everyone out of character, or it's just a little bit of the writing isn't quite as good in this episode. I don't want to blame the writing too much, but no. it does I, w- I wonder how much on purpose it is. Is it I think everyone's character. I mean, I think everyone is out of character to a greater or lesser degree, and I do think it is an effect of David. And I think if we wonder that, our big clue is Kissinger. Yes, yes, that's true. Because he is, there is no way of reading that, that this is, you know, the writer doesn't understand what this character is supposed to be. 
this is like he is acting bonkers. Yes. Um, and something happened to him. Yeah. And it wasn't just being in the cage because Amy is traumatized by being locked up, but she's not acting like Kissinger is. Yes. Yeah. So David, I assume, or the devil with yellow eyes in David's body or whatever, did something to Kissinger and he's dangerous, right? The reason they leave him locked up is because they recognize his creepiness yes. is dangerous and then he like calls her a bitch for not letting him out. He reveals that he actually, you know, yeah. does not just want to go on his merry way, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, if we wondered whether the other characters are affected by David, this is a, a yeah. bit of evidence for us that and yes, Sid, they are. And Sid's strongest of all of them. Because she's closest because to him. Because she's closest to him and maybe because she has changed bodies with him. Yes. Um, Just a little thing from right at the beginning of this. Why did they wake up? Why did she say wake up everyone if only four of them are going? Maybe. What are the rest of the Summerland people doing? Wake up Carrie. He Carrie is doing research in the lab into David. But it's wake up everyone. So like there's other support staff, the second wave. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. How who is everyone? Yeah. I hope we find out that like maybe we won't find out till the, the next season or whatever, that's fine. But I hope we eventually get more of a sense of who these other Summerland people are. Yeah. And I mean maybe they when Carrie projects himself over top of them, maybe that's not technology, maybe that's a mutant doing that. So like well, and like they're providing, you know, psychic power it's or the watch. Oh, you mentioned in the last right. episode yes, yes, and I that, didn't notice uh, that David and Sid have matching watches and we see confirmation, I was gonna say, we see confirmation in this episode that yes, they do all have matching watches. Yeah. Melanie and Carrie, we both see have those watches. Potomomy presumably has one too. We don't get a clear shot of it, but yeah. Melanie and uh Carrie have those watches and that it is a communication device. It is what they use to project his fake face over them. <laughs> uh, pretty awesome. Yes, that is um, okay. Back up a second yes, to just sorry. like, I don't have much in depth to say, except I just don't want to pass by it without saying good gravy. This division three scene is gruesome. Oh, Yes, and they pull up yes. Oh. and like there's things on fire, there's blood, there's body parts. Like it is not just that they are dead. Yeah, they're destroyed. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very harrowing and gruesome. Um, and this is where, by the way, they call Rudy, Rudy. He runs oh, out and she says, Rudy, gonna... but you couldn't, you maybe don't hear well because there's a Radiohead song playing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um... The other thing is when they're walking in Summerland, they're walking towards the car, and Melanie is doing this like purposeful striding towards the car slowly, and everyone else is kind of scrambling fast, and somehow they all arrive at the car at the same time. She's ahead of them. Yeah. But they're all like racing through the woods, and Melanie is just striding with purpose, and she's like action hero woman. And the rest of them are like racing to get there in time. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I'm going with or without you. Mm-hmm. And they're racing to get in the car I so that she so. doesn't end up just going by herself. I think that might be. So they get to Division 3. The doors of Division 3 are red. Yes, Rudy they sure Rudy throws are. the red doors of Division yeah. 3 off. And Rudy's power is really strong. Like, to have someone who's that strong, and then he's not even, like, the most powerful mutant, and he's kind of, he's a side character. This is the first episode since the first one that we've seen him even. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. he may possibly be dead by the end of this episode. So yeah, he's a red shirt. We'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, a red shirt. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, don't no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, We're not going there. The doors of Division 3 are red, but the warning lights, when they go in, there's warning lights on in Division 3, mm-hmm. something with wrong lights, and they're not red. They're blue. Hmm. And like we talked about, maybe the red light in Clockworks was always literally red because red lights are warning lights. Maybe the red light in the MRI room in Summerland was literally red because it was danger lights. But in Division yeah. 3, the red lights are not red. They're, uh, the They're danger blue. lights are blue lights. Interesting. You said the walls are moving around. Watching it, this is another scene that I backed up and watched again and watched again. I don't think that they are, I don't think the geography of the hallway is changing. I think the lights are flickering and we keep cutting the shot during a flicker. So I think it's disorienting for us purposefully. Yes. But I don't think that the characters are, I mean, I think they're disoriented by all the mayhem and whatever, but I don't think that the hallway is moving around. Yeah. The second, I I noticed that too. The second time I watched it, it was, it seems like it's one hallway and then the other hallway back and forth, but it, it does, it feels like, in clockworks when he took away the doors. It does, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that is on purpose. And I don't think the doors have actually disappeared again. No. I do think that we're getting an emotional connection to that. Like, we, the audience, are being yeah. deliberately emotionally reminded of that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, oh, and I said the door, I just, yeah. uh, I said the lights in uh, Division 3 aren't red, but as they move through the hallways and they get closer to David, they start to turn red. Mm, yes. You're right, they do. Uh, David, when you see him on the camera, all his little motions and his, like, snapping his fingers and his hand claps and his physicality is like Aubrey Plaza all of a sudden. Yeah. He's, he's really like, is. he's well, acting the way she would. Is like one of the Aubrey Plazas that we've yes, seen in this yes, show. it's true. He's not acting like messy-haired Lenny. No. Well, a little, like her little. dancing. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was actually thinking of. He is kind of acting like pre-clockworks messy-haired Lenny. Yes. He's uh, vaudeville. Yeah, exactly. Like, and he's really vaudeville, actually. And the devil, now that I think of it, the devil with yellow eyes is vaudeville, too, with the way that his hand, like, goes carefully around the corner back in, I mean, in several episodes. Yeah, it looks more like silent movie, not quite vaudeville. That's, like, creepy Nosferatu. But it's... Campy, like yes. it's campy and performative in a vaudeville silent movie. I think it's one of the reasons that that's silent movie is it's when when film actors were still acting like stage actors. Yes, exactly. right. And the Devil with the Yellow Eyes acts like a stage actor, and so does Aubrey Plaza when she's being certain Lenny's. Yes, uh, she you know really is drawing attention to her physicality and her performance. And now David is that too, and he's performing. Oh, good. But he's performing to us, the audience, maybe, that he looks right at the camera while they're watching yes. it. Yes. Because that Does is... he know that they're going to be watching it later? Does he... Yeah, that is... It... And Devil's Yellow Eyes looks at the camera, too. It really seems like they are looking not at whoever works for Division 3 and is supervising, but it, is, it really seems like both David and the Devil with the Yellow Eyes, when he, they look at the camera there, are looking at Melanie. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a super creepy thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and the interest, like the devil, they show David doing this like little gleeful dance and snapping his fingers. And then they show the devil with the yellow eyes, but he's not doing that. No. He's just like walking creepily and doing the creepy hand gesture. 
that you can't see because this is a podcast. <laughs> kind of like the gentleman in the that episode of Buffy. Exactly what I thought. I was like the gentleman in the episode of Buffy. Hush, the episode of Buffy. Yes. <laughs> Hush. Not gonna pretend like I'm not a giant Buffy. <laughs> um, we get both in Division Three, both in Division Three, and a scene after that in Back in Summerland. We get the Devil with the Yellow Eyes physically on camera. Yes. He's there. We have not yet seen the Devil with Yellow Eyes. What? I mean, that seems to me like the Devil with Yellow Eyes is physically manifesting, right? Yeah. Uh, We've seen the Angriest Boy in the World do that, maybe. Maybe. When Sid sees him, except no one else can see the the Angriest Boy in the World. But yeah, is he's physically on camera? Was he manifested and literally physically there, walking down that hallway? Was he actually? Was he? Physically in the MRI machine with David? I don't know. Uh, or is David like the shifting into him? Uh, I guess? Is David shape-shifting? Of... But then David also sees him as separate from himself. Yes. But only in the memories? He talks about seeing the devil feel the eyes, though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, oof, oof. So creepy. So well, creepy. I mean, think back to uh, Happy Jack at the end of Happy Jack when the devil feel the eyes is in the foliage yeah, as exactly. they're getting to the boat. David sees him. David sees him separately. Himself. Yeah. In the scene with Carrie and watching the videos in the MRI machine, mm-hmm. what is up with the children's laughter? I don't know. That was, I definitely was going to ask that. But like, there was children laughing and running up. Like, is that coming from, is that somehow something to do with David? Is that things at Summerland? Like, Carrie is obviously creeped out by it. Yeah, and he tells other Carrie to watch his back. And my question first was, is that happening in the recording, or is that happening in real time as Carrie is watching the recording? It seems like it's happening in real. Like it seems like it's coming from above him. The way the camp, with the way it's shot, yeah, he's like looking up and like it's like there's a child running around above him in the like the rooms above him. But you know somehow that's not real. But how is anything there when David is in a whole other place? Well, I don't it know. reminds me of. A scene ago when David, when Melanie and the Summerland team are watching David on tape and he seems to be interacting with them anyway. And here, Carrie is watching David on tape and it seems like David is somehow able to affect the world of the people who are watching the tape of him. It's like The Ring or whatever. Yeah. That horror movie. I haven't that seen is, it. I haven't seen it either, but I know that's the thing with it. Oh, that is interesting and scary. Um, uh, can we talk about Kissinger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kissinger. We did. Kissinger is like he's gone off the deep end. Is this he's been tortured? He talks about being tortured. Mm-hmm. Has he been tortured to the point of he's completely broken? But also he's like weirdly infected. Like he's creepy and scary now. They don't let him out because he's scary. And he's what I think he is exactly the same kind of creepily confident as David at the beginning of this yeah. episode. Right, the way that he reacts to them, the way that he's like he, even his mannerisms are. Yeah, it's like he's whistling and twiddling his thumbs as they come. Yeah, like he, he does not. He's not playing that like he is a broken man from torture. Yeah, he's playing that like he has the same kind of. Uh, he's. I mean, to talk about brokenness and think back to Melanie saying that David isn't fragile. The last time we saw Kissinger, he was fragile. Yes. Now he's not fragile anymore. Yeah, but now it feels like he's broken. Yeah. David isn't broken. 
No. Kissinger is broken. Yeah. Now. And I've, so I've speak. like to know more about what his deal is. Yeah. I don't think we have enough. I, my uh, current theory is that the devil with yellow eyes slash David is infecting or, or affecting everything yeah, around everything him around and him. Kissinger strongly. I mean, heck, this couldn't even be the real, this could be not the real world for all we know. That's the crazy thing is all these things happening at the same time, maybe this means that this isn't the real world. Yeah. Maybe this is all in David's brain. And a scene from now, you're about to recap it, but Melanie says that, like, careful, we could be in David's brain right now. Yeah, we're in David's world now. Yeah. Well, she says we could be. Yes. I want to mention, just in a happier note, that uh, Carrie, despite his, like, pathos and sadness and whatnot, works really well as comic relief in this show. Like, yes. he's like, did you have to did you have to get kicked in the crotch so many times? <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, the way he's talking aloud to to female Carrie inside of him is always like just a, on the edge of funny and Bill Irwin just is, yeah. is really good at that. He, he hits that sweet spot. Once again with really the performances, well. Bill Irwin is just like so interesting to watch mm-hmm. and his reactions are so comic and yet uh, full of pathos mm-hmm. and yet they're not quite like they're never what you expect. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, he's great. Do you, know, do you know what I found out this week? I looked up Bill Irwin because I was like, what else has he been in? And like a thousand things. But he's also, he's Mr. Noodle on Elmo. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I could really see that. I can he's really kind of Mr. Noodle on this. Exactly. Like, it's just like a darker version of Mr. Noodle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, <laughs> when they get to, what's his name? Uh, Brubaker? Brubaker. Uh, Brubaker says, we were wrong. Yes. Right? And then a second later, when Carrie is projecting, he says, we were wrong. We were wrong. Like he says the exact same words. And I checked it. Uh, not just the same sentiment. They say we were ro- the words, we were wrong. We were wrong. And they elaborate. We thought we understood what David was and how to deal with him. We thought we were prepared. Both Division Three and Summerland. Mm-hmm. Thought they knew what David was and how to react to him and how to control him and how to respond to him, and they were wrong. They were wrong. And Division and uh, Brubaker, in terms of ominous lines in this episode, yeah. it wears a human face. A human face. how blood dies. Okay. Okay. Um, God. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I guess he's talking about the devil's yellow eyes, where's the human face? Although the devil with yellow eyes is a human face in a way. I mean, it's, it's a creepy human face. Yeah. It's like... Well, and a second later, yeah. when Carrie is explaining to uh, Melanie, Sid, and Autonomy, and Rudy, I guess, um, mm-hmm. he keeps calling the, what the parasite in David, he's calling it it, and Autonomy notices that. And it's like, you keep saying it, what else could it be if not a mutant? Yeah, uh, exactly. And that's... You know, the question that we're asking a scene ago when when Brubaker says it wears a human face, like, what could it be if not human? Mm-hmm. But is it another mutant? And or Carrie's it answer else? is it's an older mutant. But he says, I mean, when Carrie says... He says it's a mutant who it's a mutant's power that he's separated from his body and put into David. Or a mutant whose consciousness is separated consciousness. from his body. Yeah. And... You know, the implication, the subtext of that is that if you've separated your consciousness from your body, you're not a person anymore. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, 
uh, what does that mean for Sid and her ability to exactly. jump bodies? Yeah. Like I, at, by this point in the series, it is so clear that the specific powers that the Summerland people have are all built to demonstrate things about David exactly. and reflect David and yeah. reflect the ideas that we have. One person who is in memories and David can't remember things and his memory isn't trustworthy. Yeah. One, one person who can move around between bodies and David's infected by something who can move around through bodies. And we have another that's two people sharing a body and David is two people sharing a body. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then we have another one who's telekinetic and so is David. I don't know. <laughs> and then Melanie, who, who knows what she is, if she has powers at all. Who knows? I like, too, that Carrie says he is schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not as a mental illness, but literally several personalities. Yes. And, you know, we've been wondering that all through, is the devil with yellow eyes David? Is he not David? Is he a manifestation of David's illness? Mm -hmm. We get confirmation, or if not exact confirmation, we get uh, Carrie's well-informed theory that the devil with yellow eyes is not David. Yes. Um, it's a separate consciousness. Yeah. It's just like Oliver said back in The Undiscovered, it's a parasite, and he uses the same word. Yeah, exactly. This makes a lot of sense of everything we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. It erases David's memories. It feeds on him. It, it erases David's memory of it. Yeah. It's like the silence in Doctor Who. As and soon as he looks at it, he forgets that it's there. And we've seen that in action, right? Mm-hmm. And we get... An explanation of what we've seen a couple of episodes later. Yeah. Oh, this is what we have seen all along. Yeah. So Sid hears David's voice calling her, and then suddenly she's in the quiet room again. This time it's shifted to yellow light. Mm. David plays Rainbow Connection on the banjo. Sid enters the red bathroom and closes the door on King and the Angriest Boy. She looks out of a telescope and sees David's childhood home. We hear child David's voice calling King and David's mother's voice. Sid tells the team he's gone home. And as they leave, Walter emerges from the building behind them. Amy and David open the door to his childhood room, now empty and overgrown. Amy is happy David has rescued her, but is unclear as to why they're here. David wants to talk, saying the team will be there too. David wants to know Amy's secret, saying that he can smell it. Lenny appears in the mirror, then emerges, fully formed, from inside the mirror. She kneels before Amy, transforming into Benny, into King, and the angriest boy, while David shakes his eyes white. Amy is terrified, and she reveals that David was adopted. In his lab, Carrie solders a halo that will hopefully paralyze the parasite within David. He argues aloud with Carrie and she emerges from him, uninjured and looking for a fight. The Summerland team arrive at David's home, Melanie warning them to be careful. The world goes silent, and we see Walter watching from a distance. Silently, they enter the house. Sid sees the angriest boy and follows him up the stairs. Melanie and Patonomy are startled by the arrival of Carrie. He explains about the halo, as best he can do with no sound, and Melanie points aggressively at him, asking if Carrie is there. She emerges, holding a bat full of nails. The team converge upstairs, and we get a flash of Rudy revealing that he is Walter. Sid finds Amy facing the mirror in David's room. Lenny leaps and attacks her, forcing her to watch her climb on top of David and kiss him. The team arrive, and Rudy, Rudy, who's who's actually Walter, shoots David and Sid, 
but time freezes. Sid and David go to the quiet room. David is frightened and says he can't stop her. The devil yellow eyes comes from the red bathroom and chases Sid around the room, smiling. She lands on the bed and David screams. Sid wakes in clockworks in a group session with all the Summerland people and Walter as patients and Lenny as the psychologist. We cut to credits as Sid says, let's talk. Ooh, so much happens there. Oh. Um, first of all, this is the creepiest rendition of Rainbow Connection ever. <laughs> <laughs> Never has someone so terrified sung Rainbow Connection. No, I think in the history of the world. The history of the world. Um, little meta knowledge, it's pretty clear, but uh, this is Dan Stevens actually playing the banjo, and he did not know how to play the banjo before he was cast. Oh, that's pretty cool. In this. So he. I think the interview says he had six weeks to learn to play the banjo. <laughs> Pretty and good. Good job. This is how he did. So yeah. good job. Good job. And good singing and etc. <laughs> but frightened. So and like, and as he sings, what's on the other side? He's gesturing with his eyes towards the bathroom. Yeah, as to what's, what's on the other side. Other side. Look where I'm looking. Mm-hmm. So he's. So this seems like this is the real David. Yes. Who is. Yes. Scared and separate from... I money. noticed David's hair is... <laughs> when he is uh, evil or under control, his hair is very flat. Mm-hmm. And when he's uh, most in control, his hair is puffier, mm-hmm. feathered. Yes. So here, sitting on the bed, his hair is like feathered and mm-hmm. up. Uh, and then, I mean, and later, if we look at his hair, later Lenny's going to rub her hands through, through yeah, his hair exactly. and it's going to be really puffed up. His hair is like, <laughs> he emotes through the hair like an anime <laughs> character. Uh, when his hair is flat, he is un- he is controlled. And yes. when his hair is up, he is controlling. Yeah. King is in the red room where Lenny was, and then the angriest boys in the mirror, Sid doesn't see him. This mm-hmm. is, you know, if there was any doubt remaining, I don't think there is, but if yeah. there was any doubt remaining, it is gone now. King yeah. is Lenny, is the angriest boy in the world. Is I, I guess at this point, we don't, at this moment in the episode we haven't completely confirmed that all those are also the devil with yellow eyes yes. but i mean we will yeah as sid looks through the telescope we hear the laughing children again yes the same laughing children that carrie heard and we hear you said it was uh david's mother's voice she said she said plant them plant them in rows which we saw that in the very first or the second episode where he's planting in the garden with his mother okay she says, thought, no, no, in rows. Is that what she says? Yeah. Not like this, in rows. Yeah. Okay. That's... I couldn't tell. I listened a couple of times, but I thought she said, but you're right. Uh, I'm not thinking I'm right. But <laughs> what I thought she said was not like this, it knows. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, ah! No, it's, uh, okay. it's from when they're planting in the garden. Okay. But... We do have the laughing children again. Yeah, so that seems like that's Amy and David. Yeah, maybe. It's child, it's Amy and David, and he's saying, come on, King. Yeah. And he's, it's yeah. like them as children. But why did, Car- why did Carrie hear that in the lab? I did not Because my, my theory, and my theory is a lot weaker now that you told me that that was Amy, that was their mother. So maybe it's worth throwing away completely. But I'm going to say it out loud <laughs> so that if season two confirms this. My theory is, with the laughing children is that uh, the devil with yellow eyes, Lenny, uh, Benny, King, the angriest boy in the world, those are all the same thing, but they're not the only thing in David's head. Mm. And the laughing children are like, 
it's just a tiny little seed of there's something else in there too that no, is separate. You from. know what it is. This is my theory: is that I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple episodes, but is Amy real? I still have a theory that Amy isn't real, and that that's the laughing children is it's Amy who's not real. Though, so, okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. The the MRI machine he gets on the tape. You see the double yellow eyes, and then Child David. Yeah, so Child David is physically Child manifesting. Child David is in David somehow. Yeah, and is that because the double yellow eyes infected him so young that his actual brain is that child? That was the last brain. time that it was just him. Yeah, and so exactly. that just himness still exists. Still exists somewhere. Oh. Anyway, um, the, we saw also when we see Walter following them behind. Mm-hmm. Remember back in The Undiscovered, mm-hmm. remember back in The Undiscovered when they're all shooting up the room and Walter isn't harmed by all that gunfire. Yeah. And now again, like, David is having this enormously powerful psychic event, yep. killing and decapitating and exploding everyone around, and Walter seems to be unscathed. Yes. Was he there all along? Did he just show up? The way that he follows them makes it seem like he was watching them yeah i think he was there all along and somehow he can't be killed or some there's something yeah his power is clearly some sort of crazy unkillable power yeah once again he's vulnerable or something Mm -hmm. even to david yeah when they get to their old house Mm -hmm. it's not just overgrown there is literally an entire tree growing in their living yes, room. Yes, yeah. Like, it's not their living room. That's David's bedroom. That's David's bedroom that's for David's, sure? Yes. It's okay. got the same wallpaper. Because I remember <laughs> the wallpaper. Okay. So, like I said earlier that maybe the plants, maybe there's realism to the fact that the plants are just, they like plants. And you said maybe the house is overgrown now. And he's projecting that back into his memory. Yep. And we have certainly the house overgrown now. Yeah. But even so, a tree in that, like... Yeah. His bedroom isn't on the first floor, is it? Yeah, it's coming in through the window, I think, maybe, from outside. The trunk the is growing through the ground. The no. trunk seems to be growing, seems to me, to be growing through the floor of the room. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do they still have their child? Why is their childhood home just, like, bare and overgrown? Nobody bought it. What happened? Yeah. To, and this is, David's father died, you know, not that long ago. He said he died while he was in the hospital. So let's so then, like, last year, I think he says, even. Yeah. So what's been happening to their childhood home? Why is it like this? And they, they that was their childhood home, but we've seen several times that that is not the home, the house that either of them lived in when they were adult, young adults. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you don't expect to still be living in your childhood home when you're an adult. But if his father just died and the kids weren't living in that home, mm-hmm. and it looks like no one's been living in that home, and we still haven't heard anything about what happened to his mother... Yep. What Something happened dramatic happened in that house if no one has lived in it for long enough for a tree to grow through it. Yeah. And it has the same, like, it's the same house. Like, it, no yeah. one has lived in it since they lived in it, obviously. Yeah. Same wallpaper and everything. Yes. But, like, but he manifests, like, suddenly there's candles. And Amy is just, like, she's really thrown off because there's suddenly, like, there's things there that they walk into the room and it's all empty. And suddenly then there's, suddenly there's candles and there's, like, a table and there's things. Yeah. There weren't before. Like with Sid in David's body making the doors disappear, he can make things appear, either teleport things to them or just create things. Or maybe this is, again, confirmation that they're inside his head all along. That's what I was about to say, is, like, this everything being weird like this and the world going silent. Yeah. 
maybe they are. Maybe Melanie is right. They they are not in the real world anymore. They have entered David's world. And the world goes silent. Does that? But Carrie shows up. Yeah. So how can Carrie show up if they're inside? Unless everything is inside David's head. Which I think, frankly, I think is too much. It's possible. It's possible. And when David is talking to Amy about any of these, like, they, they made me think you had a team and a headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's again something we mentioned way back in Road to Nowhere, a little moment of like, I thought this was going to be a superhero show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you made it sound like you were a superhero, but you're just really messed up. <laughs> And then David says, oh, they'll be here soon. Yeah. So is David luring the Summerland people here on purpose? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I think that Lenny's full power comes partly from the house. that She can fully manifest because he's in his childhood home. Right. In his childhood bedroom. And this is where they first came together. Hmm. He's in that room. And so in that space, he, he brings her to the place where she can fully manifest and I mean, he brings everyone to that place. They all converge in David's childhood bedroom because that's where it all began. I didn't think of that, but that makes a lot of sense. That that's where the devil with yellow eyes slash Lenny can finally become corporeal in the real world. And let's just say that again. Lenny appears corporeally in the real world. She walks through the mirror and then she like she touches Amy. Mm-hmm. So she's not just a, an a illusion pigment. or a pigment or a yeah. vision or whatever. She's, Amy can see her, but she also can touch things. Yeah. But then she goes back into David. Yeah. Because when da- when she's doing that, David is like having a seizure and then he's fine and Lenny's not there. Yeah. And so she, they've merged back together. Like Carrie and Carrie. David. Like Carrie and Carrie. Um, when, when Lenny appears, like I've been paying attention to Lenny's hairstyle, mm-hmm. slick back or messy haired. Mm-hmm. When she appears here... It's neither. Yeah. It's a third hairstyle yeah, for Lenny. Yeah. So, and, a, and a third outfit. And a third outfit. She's got curly hair and she's wearing like a cape. <laughs> she's wearing like a... like A, a bolo tie and a, a suit. bolo tie and a suit. Is it a bolo tie? I thought looking at it... Oh, no, there is a bolo tie. But also the jacket of her suit is like connected by a string around her neck. So it's like a jacket, but it's not buttoned. Yeah. It's connected by a string around her. Neck. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. Okay, it looks weird. <laughs> you don't know fashion. I don't know fashion at all. It <laughs> looks weird. She, it looks... What she looks like is well dressed Lenny. Yes, this is well dressed Lenny, and man, like Damn. Oh, <laughs> good gravy. <laughs> you say that a lot. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Um, and we get once more. Lenny is David. Is King. Is the angriest boy in the world. Yes. Um. And she... She's scared us of King, yeah. I felt like. She's Amy scared us? Yeah. When King... When she's like, my... Or am I King? And Amy is like, freaked out at that. Because she already knows King. And we see King, King has been there. Her King all red and red shifted. Yeah. Has King been in Amy's childhood? Because she's the one who tells Kissinger they never had a dog. Yes, but she knows that David was interacting with King right. all along. So she knows, like... King? You've been king all along? Like, yes. it's the same... It's the same thing that's been there since her childhood. This imaginary friend of David's that she was clearly already creeped out about because when she told him she, they didn't have a dog, she was like, I know you think that, but we dog. never had a dog. Yeah, and throughout this whole scene, Lenny, and you said Lenny becomes David again, mm-hmm. and whether she's Lenny or she's David, she is 
so terrorizing Amy. Mm-hmm. And it is so, especially when she's David and she's terrorizing Amy, it is so upsetting and maybe in some ways worse than like the gruesomely tearing apart all the people in Summerland, yeah. all the people in Division 3. Because we care about Amy, we've yeah, seen Amy, yeah. and more than just we care about Amy, we expect David to care about Amy. Yes. And so David, like, or something that looks like David, just terrorizing her. Yeah, well, and she, Amy looks harrowed, like she's got, like, dark, dark circles under her eyes, and she's, her hair is a mess, and, like, she's just, she does not look well. And then no. she's just being terrorized by him, terrorized by him, and, like... You have to tell me your secret. And she finally lets out the secret. Yes, that he was adopted. adopted. And then we have David kind of feeling like David again, hearing that news when he like sheds a single tear. And he's like, who, who? He needs to, like, who was it? Who was my parents? Why, you know, didn't you tell me this? And this is again, I think David seeming like David again is another sign that Lenny is what you said at the beginning of the episode, Lenny and David have kind of have merged. Mm-hmm. It is not what I said a couple of times that Lenny is driving. Like David yeah, is there too. Yeah, fighting for control, I think. Yeah. When we see back in Summerland, Carrie is arguing with Carrie, and then she leaves his body mm-hmm. looking for a fight. She doesn't have any bruises. No injuries. And no. he still has all he his. He still has all his. So again, I mean, we kind of <sighs> saw that earlier, but... He's taken on all the injuries that she didn't have to, so and then she's completely she's healed. Completely healed. Yeah, and it just makes that even more moving that he, you know, I've got you. Mm-hmm. He takes yeah. all the injuries, and then we pull up outside David's childhood home, and again, crickets outside mm-hmm. the home. Yeah, and they get out and start to go into the house, and uh, they argue about whether they're in the real world. Autonomy uh, says, you know. Because he's crazy, that's why it would be bad if we were in his head. Yes. And Melanie says, he's not crazy. This is much, much... Doesn't finish what she's going to say. Oh. And that's when it goes silent. That's when it goes silent. I'm assuming that what she was going about to say is worse. Yeah. She doesn't get to say it. Mm-hmm. Much, much worse than he's crazy. Yeah. I love the way the camera shows the silence and then silently Walter watching him from the distance. It's, yeah. it's really cool camera motion. <laughs> like, just the director... It's really, yeah, I like that moment a lot. Yes. Of like, it's almost, it's uh, almost like a Wes Anderson moment. Yeah. But not comedic. Or what I thought is that Zoom and then the 10 minutes of silence in the house is great horror movie. Yes. Yeah. Right? For the yeah. last 10 minutes of this episode, we are just straight up in a horror movie. Yes. And that like zoom in on the stalker in the woods mm-hmm. is a shot out of a horror movie also. Yes, you're right. And then we have, like, we talked before about this show changing genre, flirting with different genres, right? Like, is this yeah. a superhero? Is it not? And then now, are we deciding that for a while, this the genre of this show is it is just a horror movie? Yeah, yeah. It does seem a haunted like house movie, a slasher movie, both at once. Mm-hmm. And, like, we zoom in throughout this uh, uh, silent part. For example, we, keep, we zoom in with ominous music on things that, seem to just be mundane things, like mm. the door handle. Right, then, yes, and that turns out to be Carrie. It turns out to be Carrie. Yeah. Or even before that, we zoom in on a door handle, and presumably it's the door to the room that uh, Lenny and David and Amy are all in now, but nothing happens. The mm. door doesn't open. Yeah, you're We don't right. see what's on the other side. We just are like, no, look at this! Yeah. And it is all just 
building tension and yes. stress. So and, much stress. Oh my goodness. Uh, when Carrie arrives, first of all, props to Bill Orman again for doing an amazing job silently yeah, no kidding. communicating what the halo thing is for. Because I understood exactly what it was for. Exactly. I'm splitting them in half. I'm doing this and this. And, he, and then Melanie pointing aggressively at him and you're unsure exactly what she's saying. And then Carrie comes out and you can see uh, male Carrie being upset. He does not want her to come out. He, he's protecting her. He's holding her in but then when she comes out she's got her bat full of nails and she's ready for a fight and she kind of wants to come out and there's i think three things about that that are so i mean there's so many layers to that because we just saw that when she gets in a fight he's literally the one who gets hurt yes exactly and we can take that figuratively like if something happens to her it's going to hurt him yeah and it's literally going to hurt him so is it that he doesn't want to let her out because he's afraid she'll get hurt but he's there. So if there is a fight, he's going to get hurt anyway. Yes. So is he not want to let her out because he wants her not to hurt someone? He wants mm-hmm. to avoid violence. What she wants is to like get in a fight and have violence. And he doesn't want to let that out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And Melanie doesn't care about his worries at all. No. She's just, she wants her fighter and she wants her now. And she's, yeah, I was annoyed. Like Melanie is not acting like not being protective of her people she is being she's taking huge risks all for david and i can see where she's going to lose her team this way because she keeps doing things like this yeah and we see the rudy changing into the eyes so we see i mean we've already seen this but the eye definitely has face changing or illusion powers yes but the question that is the same question we asked about dr pool when when walter was being dr pool what happened to the real rudy Mm -hmm. How long has Walter been Rudy, and where is Rudy now? Yeah. Well, Rudy was with them on the hill in front of David's house, and then and Walter was in the bushes. Yeah. So at some point during that silent time, Walter took over for Rudy, and I don't know. I'm hoping he didn't kill him, because I'd like to see more of Rudy in the future. But my guess is that he killed him. Yeah. I'm kind of assuming that he killed him and replaced him. Yeah. And Rudy's the red shirt. And now we see the devil with yellow eyes. In that last scene, chasing Sid around the room, wearing the angriest boy in the world's clothes. Yes, and this is where he looks. He looks so much more like painted than we've ever seen him before. In the past, he's looked like a like just like a big fat guy, kind of grayish. And in this, he looks like a painting, and he looks like the angriest boy in the world, grown up. Yeah aged and tattered and worn. Mm -hmm. I said a little while ago that. I didn't think we had quite gotten confirmation the devil with yellow eyes was the same thing as all these other stuff. Like, we can assume it, but we hadn't quite gotten the confirmation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is where we get it. This is the moment. Yeah. Yes, the devil with yellow eyes is the angriest boy in the world. In case there was any doubt, he's dressed like him and he's, he's, those are all the same thing. Yeah. Lenny, the devil with yellow eyes, Benny, King, the angriest boy in the world, these are all the same thing. Although I still have the question I've had ever since Happy Jack. Are all the Lennies that we have seen the same Lenny? Like, who died in Clockworks? Yes. And who was his druggy buddy? Was his druggy buddy real? Uh, is it just Len? Is it the devil with yellow eyes has changed his memory to make it be Lenny? Because Lenny, what, and was Lenny real? And 
still we get answers. Yeah. We get major answers at this point. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of what was real when and what actually happened that we do not know. That we just don't know. No. And it's easy to feel like, oh, we've gotten answers to all these things. But just remember that we've seen four versions of Lenny. Yeah. Some of them are the same as each other, probably. Mm-hmm. Are they all? I don't know. And we're about to get another one because... They yes. are suddenly in clockworks, and Lenny is the psychologist in her awesome glasses and curly hair. <laughs> Looking oh, great. <laughs> man, can I say, like, uh, Lenny in David's room making crazy faces with curly hair with Lenny looking sharp. This Lenny yes. is like, man, she looks amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, the part where Lenny attacks Sid and then climbs on top of David and kisses him, the sounds... When they oh. kiss each other, are so gross, and they're like she's eating him. Is basically the sounds. It's so disgusting. The sounds that get made. Yeah, I don't and think I kept... that kissing is the right word for no, what they're doing. No, no, she's you like said she was kissing him, but well, she's like chewing on his tongue. Yeah, she's like chewing on his tongue. And the grossest. Oh, way. and I was, and I kept, I kept rewatching the scene because I wanted to catch the part where they all burst in because it felt because at that point. They merge. Harry is like, no, because he sees it and knows exactly what it is because he merges with someone all the time and he already knows what's happening here. He wanted to get the halo on David before they went together. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I kept rewatching that scene to catch that moment, but I kept having to watch that stupid kissing, (laughs) eating sound over and over and it kept just like, oh, it's so gross. Oh, I never ever want to hear that sound again. Gagging disgustingness. <laughs> in that little scene, this is another moment that I don't really have a, anything deep to say, but I want to draw attention to the way that uh, Lenny like puts an imaginary noose around Sid's yeah, neck and, and then yanks on it and it moves her. Yes, like, because it's his telekinetic power. Oh, that's so yes, it's scary. It's really and, affecting. Oh man, it's effective yeah. and affecting and oh good, so well done. Yeah, and so. Gary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In the circle therapy. Yes. In we're back in clockworks. Yes. We're I mean, we're literally back where where it started. Yep. As far as the show is concerned. We're back. I didn't even get this till I just said it, but in the real world, we're in David's childhood home, so we're back where it started. And then in the show terms, we're back in clockworks, so we're back where it started. Mm-hmm. And it has come around in a Circle. <laughs> <laughs> in a circle. Um, all about circles. In the voiceover, there's an announcement, a PA announcement. Tonight's movie is Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain is a movie about someone talking for someone else. Oh, what is yeah. the plot of Singing in the Rain? Yeah. It's like talkie movies happen, so someone wants to get credit for someone else's voice, and there's someone behind the scenes who's actually yeah. doing the talking. Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. And then we end the episode, okay, let's talk. Okay, let's talk. So do we think that Sid is fooled here? She seems confused, but that okay, let's talk is almost sly. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's talk. The rest of them don't seem like they have any clue where they are, what's going on. But the way Sid delivers that okay, let's talk. Yeah, I feel like that Sid knows something. Since she's the one who is transported, this is maybe Sid's inside Sid's head or something. Or something. Like, I don't think we're literally in clockworks. No. I think, like, that's... We're not never supposed to think that. No, I don't think so. I think it's... There's no doubt at all in my mind that it's 
a psychic phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how aware Sid is of what is happening, how taken in she is yes. by this illusion. Yeah, I think that's the that's the cliffhanger. As we'll yep. find out next time on Clockwork. <laughs> I mean, next time on Legion. <laughs> so that's Jiminy. That's my thoughts about this these scenes. Yeah. Any overall thoughts. Overall thoughts. Well, my overall thought about David sings a song about rainbows. He sings the Rainbow Connection because, or not because, but like it's connected to the Quiet Room. Starts out as white and then is blue, and then is purplish, and then is yellow, and then is red and pink. And it's this rainbow room, and this rainbow connection, and what's on the other side of that rainbow. And if we're going to talk about music, let's talk about music now and keep going on rainbow connection. Yes, because let's do that. Remember in The Undiscovered, at the beginning, and at the beginning of this episode, David's wearing a tornado shirt. Yes. And we thought that might symbolize that he's passed to the other side of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Right? That was what we said last episode. Yeah. And here he's singing the rainbow connection. Yes. He's on the other side of the rainbow. He's singing about the other side. Yeah. Right? The way that he gestures to the door when he says, what's on the other side? You can't see my emphatic <laughs> head gestures as I'm singing that, but you can probably hear it in my voice. But um, it's like literally what's on the other side of this door, but it's also what's on his other side. Yes, he's got two sides. I mean, what's on the other side of me, what else is in him? And it also raises the unsettling question of what makes this rendition of Rainbow Connection so creepy is we always assume that what's on the other side of the rainbow is good. Yes. What if what's on the other side is not something that you want to meet? What if leprechauns were creepy? We should write a whole series of horror movies about leprechauns being bad and scary. Oh, wait. (laughs) Oh, wait. Um, No. What's on the other side is bad. And then he says uh, rainbows are visions but only illusions. And then this show, this episode, this entire show, is all about illusions. It ends with a master illusion. Exactly. And then he says, the lyrics of Rainbow Connection, rainbows have nothing to hide, so we've been told and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong. And again, usually when we hear Rainbow Connection, we think like, oh, good, there's something good on the other side. And I know that it's really there. But the visions and illusions in David's mind and experience, we've been told they have nothing to hide in this show. Mm -hmm. And David knows that they are wrong. The people who say that his visions have nothing to hide are wrong. They were wrong. They're wrong. We were wrong. I know they're wrong. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Everyone has been wrong, wrong, wrong in this episode. Um, We also uh, sing when the Summerland people drive over to Division 3 and discover all the terrible stuff that David Mm -hmm. has done there. The song playing is a Radiohead song, The Daily Mail. It starts off, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. Mm. That's the first words of the song. Yeah. And there's, I mean, literally the devil with yellow eyes has taken over David. Yeah. And then we hear the, the lyrics, you made a mistake, no plan. As the Summerland squad chases into Division 3 with no with plan. No plan. And this is this episode is all about. Everyone made a mistake. We made a mistake. You made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And then also, the other lyric from this song uh, is, No regard for human life. Yeah. Just as we're discovering that David has killed hella people. Yeah. With no regard for with human no life. no regard for human life. No regard whatsoever. So again, this is, I mean... I feel like Rainbow Connection is very applicable to the entire episode, and that's why we named the episode uh, What's on the Other Side. Mm -hmm. 
but the Radiohead song, The Daily Mail, is extremely applicable to yes, the scene. That is. And to the sh- episode in, in general, but to that specific scene and what is happening at this moment. It's like they are narrating what we are seeing. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I didn't notice that at all. Do you want to talk about clothes? So let's talk about clothing. Um, the first thing I want to notice note about clothing is that there's some lack of clothing in this episode and we get some, <laughs> some butts. <laughs> butts. Tell me, Jen, what do you think is the uh, implication of all the butts? Of butts. I think the butts are the implication of butts. What's the symbolism? Um, I don't want to talk about butts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually want to talk about butts. Um, Alright, so David, David's shirt this time, instead of a circle with a square in it, it's a circle with a big yellow triangle in it this time. And who's in the triangle is yellow, just like the devil's yellow eyes mm-hmm. is inside him. And so he's got an outside and an inside. Yeah. In the when he wears the quiet room, he is in all in white with and his shirt is a similar cut. It's like the kind of kimono Asian style shirt, colorless shirt that he wore in the very first episode when he's talking to Division Three. A banded collar. Yeah. Yeah. And like that one was kind of a dingy gray white, and this is a very bright white. Yes. That's interesting. I thought that was it was basically the same outfit. Sid in this episode wears a few different things. In the quiet room, she wears this little white kind of nightgown dress, summer dress. Girls in summer dresses with no bras, actually. That applies to that. <laughs> <laughs> in her early scenes, she's wearing all her regular all black with her black gloves. And then later on, she's wearing a red skirt, and it has a circle pattern at the bottom—a really obvious circle pattern. So we should talk more about circles. We should talk about her wearing white in the quiet room. David and uh, Sid both wear white in the white room, and they both are wearing black in the real world yes. at that time. Yeah, we are meant to perceive the white in the quiet room as innocence and purity, and but it's not at all. Mm-hmm. It's deceptive. Yes. There's also, I mean. Think about what Sid is wearing in the white room and think about who dressed her in that. Yes, exactly. Right? David put her in those clothes. David put her in that dress. David put her in that dress. But again, another aspect of how pulling her into that white room is incredibly invasive, mm-hmm. even though she ends up being okay with it. Mm-hmm. She would never wear something like that in the real world because it's way too exposed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the skirt with the circles. What yes. do we make of that? Yeah, the red skirt. And, I mean, it just goes along with all the circles that we've talked about a lot of time. Things are coming full circle. There's circles everywhere. There's circles in the walls. And just Sid is wearing the circles now. Remember earlier, Potonomy had a shirt with circles. Now yeah. Sid has a skirt with circles. There are always circles. There are always circles. Um, Melanie despite going to war in this episode, is not wearing her war, her military-like jacket. She's more flowing, but still always in the cream color. You notice that Melanie wears gloves just like Sid does? She does. They're white gloves. They're like white leather gloves. Sid wears black gloves. Melanie wears white gloves. No one else wears gloves. Does she have a touch-related power of some kind? Or mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked quite a bit in this episode and in previous episodes about things about her clothing suggest her being closed off and disconnected. I'd really like to go back and watch in the very first episode, it ends with her taking David's hand. Is she wearing a glove? I don't know. That would be interesting to watch. That would be the kind of thing that 
someone could tweet us about or the kind of thing we could bring up in our season wrap-up episode. Let's exactly. make a note to remember to look it up. Yep. Um, Lenny, I think we've discussed all of Lenny's clothes. She's well-dressed in this episode by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has silver fingernails, which I thought that was kind of interesting. They kind of look very knife-like. They do. And yeah. that's creepy. That adds to kind of a creepiness. I definitely noticed that. Amy's wearing her same outfit she's been wearing for the last ten, however many episodes we're at now. <laughs> uh, this is episode six. This is episode six. It feels like a lot more. No, this is episode five only. Okay. But the light shift, like, because it's such a light color, it's the light shift makes it look blue, even though it's green. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, it's kind of what, it, she reflects whatever background or whatever light is shining yeah, around her. Being all this episode and even the last episode, her, yeah. she's starting to reflect her environment. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely that's something worth, worth noting. noting. All right, so that's all I have to say about clothes. I think we're ready to wrap this puppy up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, Jan. Yes. How could people get in touch with us if they wanted to? Well, lots of different ways. If you want to continue this conversation online, you can find us uh, on Twitter at ClockworksCast. You can email us, ClockworksCast at gmail.com. Our website is goodstuff.fm slash clockworks. If you want to support us, you can find us on iTunes and give us a rating. Give us a little star rating. Hopefully five stars would be the nice thing to do. Five yeah. stars or nothing. <laughs> and you've probably heard this with other podcasts if you listen to them, but iTunes ratings really do make a big difference. Yes. And the way they make a difference is right now, if you search Legion podcast, we're one of them, but we're pretty low on the list. But if we get some ratings, especially if they're us. good ratings, other people who want to find a Legion podcast will find it. That will help us an awful lot. And if you want to support us directly, you can donate to our Patreon. That's Patreon slash ClockworksCast. And we've got some exciting little extras you can unlock by just giving a dollar a month or whatever you can afford. Thanks for listening. And, uh, I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. Goodbye.